WSVU North Palm Beach, W240CI North Palm Beach, W295BJ Jupiter, W223CJ West Palm Beach. Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our LinkedIn cyber space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Hey folks, good morning. I'm the guy you were just listening to. I don't really like the sound of myself. I've said this before, I might have to re-record that introduction. But my name is Earl. I'm a recovering car dealer. And I say that uh, in total transparency because some people think of this show, I hope they don't, but I know there must be some that think this is kind of a self-serving infomercial. It truly is not. I am a Toyota dealer. I've been one for 47 years. In fact, I've been a dealer for longer than that. I started out as a Pontiac dealer many, many, many years ago, 1968 to be exact. But what I've uh, evolved into is somewhat of a consumer advocate, and this show is a big part of it, 15 years on the air. And uh, this is a real live radio show, by the way. This isn't an Internet show. It came up the other day when someone called me to do a podcast, and I didn't have a microphone to speak into my PC, and they want to know how I did my radio show. I keep forgetting with technology what it is today. You don't need a radio studio to uh, do a show. You can do a show from your home or office or wherever you want to. Uh, we're on the True Oldie station, and uh, we can be streamed live at uh, streamerlandcars.com, or you can tune in 95.9 FM, or what is that, 106.9 FM. Uh, but typically people stream us. We are international now. Uh, we actually had a call from Bali a couple of weeks ago, Steve Shimelda, I, uh gentleman that has a home in Juneau Beach and also Bali. Uh, that's our long-distance record, but we're all over. We're, we've had calls from out of, the, out of the country and all over the United States. And we encourage you to call because your calls really, truly make the show. Nancy Stewart, my co-host, and I were driving to the studio this morning, and she said, what's the focus of our show, do you think? And I said, well, it'll be whatever the callers want to make it. So please call 877-960-9960. 877-960-9960. And if you can write this down, if you're not in the car, uh, we don't want you to do anything unsafe. If you can write this down, please write it down because even if you don't have uh, a thought in your mind now or contradiction, uh, affirmation, question, whatever it may be, uh, you'll have a call. You'll think of it later in the show. I promise you. 877-960-9960. And you can text us. I actually think last week uh, we had more texts than we had calls. Might, might have been because we had a problem with the phone. phones. I'm not sure, but you can text us. And this is uh, kind of cool because if you text and we don't get to you right away, we will get to you. It might be five minutes or ten minutes. Sometimes towards the end of the show. might be next week. Or we'll just text you back. Text number 772-497-6530. That's 772-497-6530. Six five three zero, and of course, 
There are no end to our communication tech, uh, techniques. We can do Facebook, Facebook.com, Earl on Cars, forward slash Earl on Cars, Facebook.com, forward slash Earl on Cars, YouTube, Twitter, Periscope. We're all, all over the place. Just Earl on Cars, and you'll find a way to talk to us. And you can see us, of course, on YouTube or, or Facebook. Uh, you can see what we look like, and occasionally we hold up some stuff. Uh, before I go around the table and ask our panel here, uh, my uh, co-workers on this show, Earl on Cars, um, I just want to emphasize our mystery shopping report. It's so interesting, so unique. There's so, there's so much repetition on television, radio, Internet, but we have something I don't think anybody else does, a real live mystery shopping report. Every week we send a mystery shopper, our current mystery shopper, referred to anonymously as Agent Thunder. Agent Thunder goes to a car dealership somewhere in South Florida. Every week it goes in and pretends to buy or lease a car. It's really cool. We name names, we have a list, recommended dealer list, and another list where we recommend you don't buy from these car dealers. And the mystery shopping report results are very, very important as to which list they end up on. And we also ask your vote, because you can vote on any of the sources, text us, call us, uh, YouTube us, or whatever you want to do at the end of the show. But it is, um, it is interesting and unique, and I think the reason other people don't do this on television or any other way, it exposes you to a lot of potential lawsuits. We actually tell the truth, and therefore we are insulated. Not, not from a suit, but from losing a lawsuit. Uh, we've been threatened with lawsuits, but they have never transpired because we do tell the truth. If someone lies to us, we name the name of the car dealer, we name the name of the salesman, we name the name of the uh, managers, everybody we talk to, we name. And if we get a good report, integrity, honesty, transparency, we talk about that, and we re recommend that you buy a car from that car dealership. So that's coming up in the second half of the show. If you stay tuned for no other reason, or if you tune back in for no other reason, I ask you to tune in to the Mystery Shopping Report. Uh, my son, Stu Stewart, is back with us, and I welcome Stu back to the studio. Had a little minor surgery a couple of weeks ago, and he missed uh, missed a Saturday, and he's back. He's uh, he's 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 kind of like the cyber guy, and he uh, uh, hears your he well, doesn't hear him. He sees your text first. He sees your post first on Facebook, and uh, he kind of keeps things going. He he communicates with the cyber world, and uh, welcome back, Stu, and. Thank you very uh, much. Uh, glad to have you. And uh, any uh, anything you want to say to the guys out and the gals out there? Oh, uh, just that it's well. First of all, it's good to be back. I, I hate missing the show. Um, my favorite thing is the mystery shopping report. Yep. Um, every week it's something new. We always learn something, and we're always we're always shocked. <laughs> we're either shocked in a good way or shocked in a bad way. So it's it's never boring. So it was good to get back into that. And I think we got a really good one this week. Unique report, too. You just tell them a little bit. I, I was shocked when I heard about the report, and uh, mainly because I, I, I hadn't heard of this car dealer. I hadn't seen his advertising, yeah. and I didn't know he was there. But. Hey, excuse me, yeah. guys. Uh, Howard, uh, you can hang on. We'll get right with you. And uh, to Ken, I love your humor about no sound. And uh, I'll take the opportunity to ask Jonathan, are we We're very, very good? Okay. Back to Stu. Uh, yeah, so uh, we mystery shopped uh, Delray Buick GMC, which is down on US-1 in, in Delray Beach. 
And yeah, we're, we always do some background, a uh, little research on the, our targets. And I found out this is part of a group called the Garber Automotive Group. It's been in business since 1907. 1907. Yeah, 112 years. Jeez. Man, yeah. oh man. Well, let's get to Howard. I, don't, I hate to keep anybody holding. Howard, I didn't even know you'd called, so. Yeah, Howard is uh, giving us a call from uh, New York, and uh, he's calling about an ESC uh, light, I believe it is, and uh, that's your electronic stability control. And uh, good morning, Howard. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you all doing? Great. How's everything in How's everything in Florida? Wonderful. Uh, better than everybody thought. It was terrible. It was terrifying, but uh, I would have felt better if I were in New York with you when it happened. And uh, but everything's fine. I think it was uh, very little damage here. That the Bahamas took the brunt of it, as you know, and it was a terrible situation over there. That's that's a real shame. I mean, uh, people should start donating. Yes. Um, I know. I know churches and synagogues have drive, you know, trying to, you know, uh, donate. Uh, get their uh, people to donate because uh, that that's really important. Yeah, very important. Uh, okay, here's my question. Uh, my granddaughter lives in uh, Cape Cod, and uh, she made a mistake, I believe. She purchased a car, secondhand uh, car dealer. Uh, and it was a um, uh, a Challenger, uh, 2016 Challenger. It wasn't an accident, but it, she said the accident was, was severe. However, uh, after she purchased it, the electronic stability light came on, control light came on, and uh, she wanted to find out what the situation is, so she brought it into Dodge and uh, Chrysler, she said. And Chrysler said that um, it looks like the steering wheel was off hmm. in that line. So that's that's strange. But they said they could they could handle it. They could they could align the car. They aligned the car. The uh, the light went off. But my question is, uh, uh, is this normal? Uh, I mean, uh, should the electronic stability light go off if you know in a situation like that when the steering wheel wasn't completely Correctly, Rick can Maybe answer, Rick that. Can answer I, that. I, I bet. Uh, I'm willing to bet that what happened was when the when the alignment may have been done in the accident, they may not have reset the steering angle sensors, so the electronic stability control that you know wants to see where the wheels are turned to, if those settings aren't right, then yes, that will throw a code and throw those lights on. So that's probably what Chrysler was correcting, and they, you know, redid the alignment, made sure everything was straight and that the steering wheel was straight, and reset those sensors so that they were basically zeroed out so that the computer knows where that steering wheel is centered. Okay, because Chrysler said there's no problem, not to worry about it. So, I mean, if Chrysler said it, uh, it wasn't a, you know, secondhand mechanic that said it was Chrysler, so I guess she's okay. Uh, but my question, I have another question. Uh, uh, Massachusetts is a big snow state. Uh, how's a rear-wheel drive, a rear-wheel car, uh, drive in snow? I, I heard that the, the front-wheel drive is much better in snow. Rick, what do you think about that? Well, uh, they've been running rear-wheel drive cars in the snow for 100 years. So I don't think there's really that big an issue it's more with learning how to drive in the snow. Um, 
The only other issue that you're going to see is the uh, front-wheel drive cars are going to have a little easier time running in the snow. Well, I was going to um, let me interrupt you briefly. I would, I, I'm, I'm, I would never challenge your technical expertise, but. I would think but you're driving. <laughs> I would think that I'll take over. It, it, it's easier to drive a front wheel car, drive car in in conditions, slick conditions, including snow. And, yes, absolutely. and I know they've been driving the front wheel drives for many many years, but um, uh, that was before the rear. I mean, the rear wheel before the front wheel uh, were invented. And I think uh, all things been equal. If I lived in icy areas, I probably would buy a front wheel drive car. That would be the preferable yeah. or the all best option, all-wheel drive. Yeah, exactly. Um, You're right. Yeah. But, of, of course, you know, if, if she likes that Chrysler, if she, if she likes that, that Challenger, then it's just more of a learning curve, learning how to handle that car in the snow. And, of course, those Challengers are, you know, some of those things, depending on what engine it is, that's quite a powerful car. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a learning curve also, learning how to handle it in slippery conditions. Boy, did I ever learn how to drive in the snow. You're not going to tell us about it. Okay. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> tell us about Pittsburgh, please. Nancy, I believe you have experience driving the snow. Oh, gosh, do I have a whole lot of experience. <clears throat> My uh, scarring moment was coming down a hill backwards, lost my brakes. <laughs> In the snow. Yeah. Oh my God! Wow. Yeah, I won't continue. Okay. Anyway, what else can we do for you, Howard? No, you did great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, and uh, I'll be there in a couple of months, so uh, I'll be seeing you in person. Okay, I'll be, I'll be okay. looking for you. Wonderful. Okay, bye. Have a great weekend. Give us a call toll free at eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. I just got a question for you. We're talking about front-wheel, rear-wheel drive cars. Howard's question, uh, why do they make uh, rear-wheel drive cars now? What, what is the reason? Uh, speed, performance, acceleration? or uh, what, is, what is the engineering technical design reason for having a rear-wheel drive car? I think you hit it in one. Uh, the, the, it's the speed and performance of them. And the fact that you can build a bigger engine that sends the power back to the back wheels by mm-hmm. uh, having that, that size of the engine and transmission spread throughout the length of the car rather than trying to compact it all just in the front of the car mm-hmm. where an engine and transaxle for a front-wheel drive has to be. You know, I have a funny story. It'll take a second, but uh, there was someone a while ago that left Florida and moved to Denver, Rick. And uh, when he got to uh, Denver, he had a lot of his a lot of acquaintances say to him, "You don't have a front wheel drive. What are you going to do in the snow?" <laughs> <laughs> and he had to, you know, he had to make some changes. It's very important. But I'm not familiar with the uh, rear view, rear uh, front uh, backward or whatever it's called wheel drive. I'd never heard of it. Yeah. Well, you got front wheel, rear wheel, and all wheel. Name of the game is all wheel drive. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess eventually maybe all cars will have that. Learn something new. Okay. Give us a call, 877-960-9960. And uh, we we don't have any texts coming in. We got a couple. Oh, we got a couple. Okay, I saw a blank. Oh, you had two little lines there. I can't see across the uh, table. (laughs) I need to use a Sharpie. There you go. Okay, uh, this one's from Anne-Marie. So good morning, Anne-Marie. Thanks for listening. I hope you can hear us. Um, Anne-Marie says, good morning. I hope everyone is well. I recently read an article on jalopnik.com 
that some automotive manufacturers are developing systems where one can turn on the AC or the heat if you're up north, unlock a vehicle, and start it with just a cell phone, no key fob needed. As a geezer in training, I have four questions. One, is this really a good idea? Two, do you ever get customers asking for vehicles that can be controlled by a smartphone? Three, if such a system were created, how could one leave it uh, for maintenance? Nowadays, one leaves a key or key fob with the vehicle when it goes in for maintenance. I can't see why one wouldn't want to leave their phone at the shop with their car. And number four, what could possibly go wrong? And that was a rhetorical question. That's from Anne-Marie. Um, I can actually address this, um, answer a couple of her questions. Believe it or not, we do get customers um, that do ask for it. And I, I'm also aware of other manufacturers, including Toyota, that's um, doing a, um, it's called a digital key. Um, and it's an app that can be used to do a lot of stuff. They already have it, as a matter of fact. You can start your car. You can get your gas information, how much fuel you have left. And you can unlock the car. You can start it. Um, there is a valet mode with it. So you can give a temporary pass to allow somebody to temporarily use your car. Um, I believe you send them a link on a, with, um, it with, it's similar with these home uh, smart locks that you have at home. You can give someone temporary access. Um, there, it's actually a lot more control than you have with giving somebody your key fob. Um, you can give a valet or a, a, a service department access for a short time or for just a day. And if they go beyond a certain uh, a geographical area that you indicate, you can be alerted. Um, you can put a speed alert. So if you give it to a valet, if you, see, you get an alert that your car is going 80 miles an hour, you know they're not parking your car. <laughs> so um, um, the answer, and the other uh, part is what could go wrong? Um, I don't know. I guess we got to start using it for a while to find out <laughs> what, the, uh, what the pitfalls are. Um, it does seem with how secure smartphones are now, with biometrics, you know, using face recognition and thumbprint, it might actually be more secure than using a key fob, which can um, be stolen and, and uh, you know, um, you know. I have a question yeah. on that very issue, and I'll maybe Rick knows the answer. I have that feature on my car, and what I thought would be best about being able to start my car was the fact that I thought I could, you know, if I was somewhere and I parked my car out in the hot Florida sun and it's 95 degrees out there and maybe I'm uh, having uh, lunch at a, at a restaurant someplace and, I, and before I uh, walk out the car, I start my car and I thought the air conditioning would crank up, it would cool it off and I walk out there. But when I start the car, my air conditioning doesn't uh, crank up, it just starts the car. And as soon as I open the car, the engine stops. There's also a 10 minute limit on how long the engine will run, and I can. If you started early, yeah. Yeah, see the reason. I'm, but uh, why would the, or is there a setting I don't know about? Why doesn't the air conditioning continue to run? Um, that would have to have a setting that should be able to be turned on. Oh, I got you. And the, the reason I know about the base on we we've had remote starts for cars for 30 years or more. Yeah. And the ability to start your car with a key fob from a long distance. Uh, people here wanting their air conditioning cold, people up north wanting the car to start up and warm up in the wintertime. So when you get out to the car, the engine's already warmed up and you're ready to drive the car. Yeah. And I would assume these smart key are the smartphone systems now. There's got to be a way that it's got to have some key authorization. Yeah, it does. Because on, yeah. on remote starts, when you open the door or step on the brake pedal, the car would shut off unless it sees your smart key is now in the car or you put the key in the ignition and turn it on. Yeah. Otherwise, that remote start is going to shut the car off automatically for security. Before we get to uh, the next text, I have one more bit of trivia. 
Not really trivia, but on this, I want to show you something because we're streaming. Is this about video Lake, Lake, Lake Worth? Yeah. If no, if you want to, if you want to <laughs> extend the range of your remote key, you hold it up to your forehead. Or under the, the chin. chin. Yeah. This seems like a old wives' tale or a, a urban legend. It's been tested. It actually yep. tested about yeah. double the range. So if you're going towards your car and you want to unlock it. It works really well with you because you're 6'5". Yeah. <laughs> the first time I did it, I really felt foolish because you, when someone tells you something, it's a joke. Yeah. And then after you do it, it doesn't they work. They got camera doing it. But yeah, this actually works. It does. Yeah. And guess what? I have to stand on the hood of my car to achieve what you just yeah. showed the audience. It, it works even better if you put a tinfoil hat on, too. No. <laughs> well, it, it shows that you're related to Lucille Ball. Remember, she had exactly. the, the, she picked up radio transmissions in oh, her yeah. fillings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they did that on Gilligan's Island, too, I, I think. I have a question about the remote. Something happened to me the other day. My remote was in the car. You remember this. I was leaving around 6.30 in the morning. I had a cup on top of my remote in the cup holder. And my car wouldn't start. Was remember, it a metal cup? Re, remember whenever I jumped out and I said, I've got to find my remote. Yeah. I got back in the car and I said, the remote has to be here. I know it has to be. And I just, for some reason, It was a plastic up, cup. Really? I yeah. picked oh. up my cup and I, my car started. That's drinking iron filings. Exactly. There, yeah, there had to be something in there that was blocking that because okay. the kale. I I know be. there are times that lots of iron in that, and that's what it was. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Do we have any calls? I'm surprised we've only had the one call from Howard. Is that it? No. 877-960-9960. Love to hear from you. You know, we we like your voices. We accept your texts, your Facebooks, your YouTubes, but love to hear your voice. 877-960-9960. We'd love to have you call, and uh, Nancy, remind them about the special deal we have for first-time female callers. We do. We have a special deal, as we have every Saturday morning for you ladies that are listening. If you give us a call and you're a new caller, the first two new callers will receive $50. And uh, if you call us at 877-960-9960, you can receive that $50. Give us a call and say hi. Give us a call and share your story with us maybe about leasing buying whatever we'd love to speak to you and for everyone else who would like to text us 772-497-6530 i think we have a youtube don't we rick we do indeed mr darkhawk 1972 from missouri ah he's got a question here he says uh he just got approved or i'll, I'll speak in the first person for him I just got approved for my local credit union. Unfortunately, I've now started to waffle on what I want, and I've now developed analysis paralysis. I'm guessing he's having second thoughts about which car he's decided to buy. Uh. And he says, has this ever happened to any of you during your car buying experience? I can see why there's a, just a huge number of choices out there. and. Uh, uh, yeah. To me, the best way to relieve yourself of analysis paralysis would be consumer reports. And, you know, let's face it, here, there are very few basic things that are important about a car. And on the bottom of the list is how pretty it is. Uh, safety, uh, reliability, uh, cost of maintenance, cost of insurance, uh, performance. Uh, all of these are covered with consumer reports, and you can literally go to any manufacturer or type of car 
and make a general decision and pick the very, very best. Consumer Reports is the most, uh, uh, what's the word? They, they don't accept bribes. They don't accept advertising. Uh, they are pristine in terms of transparency and integrity. I'm not saying they're perfect, but when they give you an opinion on the car, it's the most credible. When it's credible. So use that, and uh, and then you can narrow your choice down. You don't have to get number one choice, but just don't buy the do not recommended car. <laughs> right. And believe it or not, they have that list. Uh, these cars, they say do not recommend. If you do, they can kill you. I mean, some of them are just flat unsafe or bankrupt you because they can cost you so much to operate. But that's what I would suggest. He's from the Show Me State, right? Missouri. Missouri yes, sir. Show Me. Consumer Reports will show you. Yep. And also might be a good idea maybe to go and even rent w one of the models Great that idea. you're looking at to drive it for a day or two just to get a feel. You know, yeah. Is that really the car you want? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. We got some text, too, I think, don't we, Stu? Yeah, we got one from Barry. Um, FCC lets us say jackasses, right? I think so. I think I just said it. All right. Are all these jackasses all say you can't give me a price? They can't give me a price because they have to see the trade car in person. All BS. Maybe 5% give me a range. The rest don't give crap. This is a very profane tweet, but borderline. <laughs> Any suggestions? I'm trying to sell my 2012 S63. Uh, Not that many uh, miles and, and, in, and in excellent uh, condition. Well, you know, uh, 10 years ago, that would have been more of a problem today, believe it or not, with our high-tech uh, wholesale evaluations of cars. Uh, there are ways to appraise a car very accurately, not without actually seeing it, because there is the element of, am I getting an honest representation of the car? But with honest representation and description of a car, you can get a very close idea as to what the wholesale value, which you can sell the car for. In fact, there are even sources where you can get uh, estimated retail value. The, the dealers that will not give you the information on the phone are probably trying to lure you in because they can't sell you a car on the phone. That's an old-fashioned expression I used back in the day before I became a recovering car dealer. You always have to get them inside the dealership physically present so you can take advantage of that and sell them a car that maybe isn't the right price and make a profit for you and not such a good deal for the buyer. But today you can literally buy a car online, over the telephone, and you can get a fairly accurate yeah. representation of what your car's worth. Uh, Carvana is a source. Uh, CarMax is a source. Uh, what's the one? Uh, WeBuyAnyCar.com. WeBuyAnyCar.com. Uh, all these are national companies that will give you uh, not necessarily the best value for your car, but an honest value for yeah, your car. Put you, it puts put you in the ballpark, and yeah. then you can use that to start your uh, negotiation. But always get you know multiple uh, bids anyway. So exactly. Yeah, uh, we have one from DVC. Uh, question is: Is there still Florida state and local tax when rolling negative equity from a trade-in into a new car purchase? Uh, thank you, Mr. Stewart, for all you do. Um, well, on a, when you buy a car and you trade and you have a trade, you're only going to pay the sales tax on the difference. Um, a few lines down on the buyer's order, you add in whatever payoff that might be. So no, you're not paying uh, sales tax on that. You're paying sales tax totally on the difference between the sale price of the new one and the trade-in. Um, but you do have to pay um, what you owe to the bank. Exactly. How are we doing? Uh, we have one more, and this is uh, came in from um, our buddy in California. 
and it was kind of long, so I'm going to paraphrase it. He a couple of weeks ago he texted us and had a question about um, whether it made sense for him to buy his um, his Mustang that he's leasing um, from the dealership instead of just turning it in and, and walking away. Um, it turns out he checked into the values, and it looks like it is a pretty good deal to buy his 2016 EcoBoost Premium Mustang. Um, his question is, even though he's been servicing it at the same dealer since he's been leasing it, would it make sense for him to take the vehicle to an independent uh, mechanic or technician to get it looked at again for any problems that might have been um, missed by the uh, servicing dealer? And uh, we kind of we talked about this before the show. And um, actually, that does make a lot of sense to do because uh, Rick could probably chime in on that for the actual pitfalls he's, he, he, he might avoid by doing that. But it's always good to get a second opinion, and that's... Uh, it might be inconvenient, but it's a, it's, it's always a, it's, a, it's a smart move, I think. Well, one of the dirty little secrets that auto dealers have, and it's not the dealership themselves, it's the manufacturer. Dealerships are not allowed to upsell warranty work unless it's a situation that would cause, very quickly cause, more damage to the car and make that warranty claim much higher. So if there's something wrong with the car that would be covered under warranty that the dealership sees, but the customer's not complaining about it, the dealer is actually required by the manufacturer to keep their mouth shut. Let me ask a question, because that really gripes me. Yeah, you're absolutely right it about that. It bugs me, too. Yeah. What, uh, what if, it's a, what's a, if it's a safety issue? Well, now, if, if it's a safety issue or, say, a big oil leak, something that is going to cause more damage down the road, but it's better to fix it now, mm -hmm. then you're allowed to mention it. And especially a safety issue, yes, you are allowed to say, hey, you have the safety issue here, we can cover this under warranty. So then, then you're allowed to do that. But if it's something that the mechanic sees that technically wouldn't uh, become a much worse yeah. problem, but it's something the owner should be aware of, we're not allowed to say anything while that car is still under warranty. And so, I, I, I I, I beat up the manufacturers a lot, and I so sometimes I have to come to their defense. One of the reasons that they have this policy is that there are dealers out there who will steal from the manufacturer, just like they'll steal from a customer, and uh, it's called warranty fraud. And uh, they will make up a problem and pretend to fix it, submit a warranty claim to the manufacturer. They, I mean, the dealer and get paid. Sometimes the um, owner of the car doesn't even know what's going on. Uh, they can even force yep. the signature. So uh, there have been some enormous uh, uh, cases of warranty fraud. Car dealers have been canceled their franchises, their contracts to sell cars with that manufacturer eliminated because of warranty fraud. And I think that uh, that's the rationale. I still don't like the policy because I think if they if they don't have a trust relationship with a dealer, there are other things they could do uh, rather than penalize the customer. Absolutely. But okay. unfortunately, the customer is caught in that trap, yeah. you know, caught between a rock and a hard place. So, yeah, I, I would find a mechanic, someone very well qualified that you can trust, and just ask them, hey, you know, look this car over and tell me, is there anything that I need to know about it? Yeah. yeah. Let's Great get these information. Calls. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't get that number earlier, 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And don't forget, ladies, uh, give us a call. Give us a shout-out. Say hello. Win yourself $50. First two new 
lady callers can win yourself $50. And uh, I received a uh, text uh, last week that I'd like to, I, I just remembered. Uh, unfortunately, it's a bit of a sad story. A uh, young lady by the name of Jennifer purchased a flood car. Uh, she she got all all the uh, history report. Uh, she got uh, a report from Carfax, and uh, she didn't know it, it it wasn't on the report. She didn't know that she purchased a flood car, until a couple of days later when she started smelling mildew and everything that comes with a flood car. And uh, Jennifer, I'm, I'm really sorry that happened. You know, it's, it's so important to always have a mechanic inspect a used car. And the truth be told, as far as CarMax is concerned, you know, it, it's far from the truth that they will let you know that you have, you have a, it's a flood car. The used car is a flood car. So that's the reason I think that it's always important to check with your mechanic and let him do a full inspection on that car. 877-960-9960 or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Another text? We have a text from Chicago, Illinois. This is from Kevin. It says, I've heard October is an ideal month to purchase a vehicle due to the fact that dealerships need to sell more of the 2019 models so they can showcase the 2020 models. Is that true? Uh, actually, uh, no. Not so much. <laughs> uh, they will tell you it's the case, and it's uh, a lot of the things that you hear like that are motivations to get customers to come in and buy. It's surprisingly, the, the one, the one uh, advantage you have is to buy at the end of the month or at the end of the year is a particularly good time. Uh, the dealers are incentivized. Uh, oftentimes to sell their older model cars. Manufacturers will put incentives, rebates, to move the last year's model. Uh, but the whole idea that you can save a lot of money by buying last year's model is just actually not true. You're actually better off to pay a little bit more for the current model, the new model, uh, than try to save a whole lot of money the old model. The depreciation usually trumps and offsets all the advantages of buying last year's model. And the other thing I can add to that is most of the, the major manufacturers, Toyota, Honda, give it a month or two. Get the, next, the, the new model year um, will be worth more, like Earl just told you, but they're pretty desperate, especially if it's a high-volume car. You know, if you're looking at a Honda Accord or a Toyota a Camry, wait two months. There's going to be some incentive. There's going to be some rebate, some kind of cash incentive for you. So don't do it the first, uh, first month it comes out. And also because you all maybe want to shake out and get, read some reviews yeah. and consumer reports, things that might indicate problems with the car. Yeah, it's a, t a tough thing to do. Sellers of any product exploit urgency. Um, why to buy now? When you do an advertisement, the ad agency says you have to give the potential buyer a reason to come in today, a sense of urgency. And believe me, that works against you. It works against the price you pay. The best thing you can do to get a good price on a car, one of the best things you can do, is to take your time. And don't ever buy on impulse, on emotion, and never ever buy the same day you go out car shopping. The car shopping experience should be at least two weeks, preferably 30 or, or maybe 45 days. Take your time. When that car salesman tells you this is the best price that you can get, but you have to buy it today, just do a 180 and walk right out. 
That is never the case. You can always do better by doing some more shopping and comparison, uh, doing some internet uh, analysis, uh, checking with True Car, Costco. Uh, competitive shopping will always get you a better price. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, you used the word experience. Gosh, I'll tell you what, an event, an experience when you're purchasing a vehicle. And uh, that's the way you should look at it because it is an important investment you're making. It's like buying a home, buying a car. So take your time, digest it, go home, think about it. Give us a call, 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Yeah, the fact that we're not getting any phone calls concerns me. But Jonathan, can you can you call the radio line and see if you can get through? Phones yeah. Are yeah. Phones are working. Car, oh, the phones are phones working. Are working. Okay. Then it's your fault out there in the radio land. Please give us a <laughs> Shame call. Shame on you. Are we boring? You know, I, I got to give a shout out uh, <clears throat> to everyone out there. And I'll tell you what, the panel here, everybody in the studio, we understand you're still sort of getting yourself together physically, mentally, because uh, what a week it has been. Uh, so uh, give us a text if you can't put those words together, and you can text us your question, your comment, how you know we can improve the show, 772-497-6530. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, what's really important, your anonymous feedback youranonymousfeedback.com Yeah, we get some of our most interesting uh, emails from your anonymous feedback. Y-O-U-R-A-N-O-N-Y M-O-U-S Feedback, F-E-E-D-B-A-C-K dot com youranonymousfeedback.com We have no idea uh, where the question comes or the comment so you can say anything you want to. Well, I want to thank Nancy for reminding me that we had that because we have a couple of anonymous feedbacks that came in early this morning. Ah. So uh, let's get to it. Uh, this is uh, obviously anonymous. Uh, why do dealers make you initial the paper with the payments? It's not a contract. Is this a ploy to create mental ownership and to attach or commit the buyer to proceed with the purchase? A signature carries more commitment than a verbal reply, yeah, let's do it. What would be a good-sounding retort to the dealer if subsequent discussions in the box don't jibe and they hold you, with the, hold you to the initial document with the payments as, legal and binding, as a legal and binding document? I can think of only one. And there is a series of symbols, ampersands, in other words, profanity, you. I want a phrase, perhaps containing the proper legal terms to make the financial manager stumble for words as I walk out the door. And you are certainly imagining a very dramatic, uh, very dramatic experience. Um, let me just uh, tell you, as someone who has been trained in car sales by the, some of the most uh, evil trainers out there, <laughs> I never, it, never, it never really sunk in, but... Um, yeah, that's to create a commitment. Um, when, when they train salespeople to sell cars, uh, they ask you to give uh, deposits, sign things, even on non-legal documents like worksheets. Um, and I've even seen it on a, just a, on a, on a napkin <laughs> sign here. And the idea is you're trying to get a mental commitment. I don't know if that's ever been like uh, tested out by psychological studies or anything like that. It's certainly believed by the car dealers. Uh, but to answer your question is no, it's not legally binding. And, and if you initial anything, until you sign the actual uh, bank contracts and buyer's orders, you're not, you're not held to anything. It's all, a, like you said, it's a lot of BS. It is. Pure psychological uh, intimidation. I think we've got a caller. We, one of our, we have we an missed important, a caller. Yeah, a very, very important caller. Gosh, we've missed you. John, welcome to the show. 
John's calling from Palm morning City. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> hey, John. Good morning. Um, I read an article last month in USA Today that ultra car prices are down by 50% or more. For instance, they gave an example, Aston Martin, 54% is down. Lamborghini, 56%. Rolls Royce, 48%. Quite a bit on ultra cars. Now, many listeners do not buy one or own one, but I just was curious as to what the reason that most people don't believe they're interested in, not in buying a used ultra car, but they buy the latest new uh, Bentley or uh, Rolls or Lamborghini. And main reason that USA states is because they want to update their gadgets. Any uh, comment on the you know, ultra car prices? I, I've got a theory, John. I don't know if this is accurate, but I know that Tiffany sales have been down. The stock price is way down. And I heard the commentation, commentary on CNBC Finance Network that they think it has to do with China's economy slumping. And the Chinese uh, have a very high percentage of uh, the world luxury market. They, you don't think of the Chinese as being uh, purchasers of luxury goods, but they do. They buy um, a very large chunk. And I, I think that might be the reason why the uh, prices are, yeah. are dropping, because the Chinese aren't buying. Sounds good to me. Yeah. The other thing is one of the worst cars ever made, and you don't see them around. I don't see them riding. I don't see them on used car lots. What happened to Walla Hummer and Hummer 2s? <laughs> Were they sent to other countries? Do you ever run across one that's want to be traded or see one? I don't even see one on the road. I haven't seen a Hummer in a long time. I think it was uh, Rick's got an idea. I actually just two days ago saw one of the original Hummers, the big military-looking version that they first came out with, and it's the only one I recall seeing for weeks. It, it caught my eye because it was yeah. that old original version of it. Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible vehicle. I guess people oh, yeah. just finally it got over the novelty and said, "Why you can't park it? You, it's hard to drive. It uses enormous amounts of fuel, and uh, people look at you on the road and say, you know, I know anytime I see a guy driving a Hummer, he has a low IQ. So oh, I, probably, I, 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 I have a gasoline truck following him. <laughs> yeah, right. I always say, "Are you lost?" Yeah, because well. I think they belong at the in the Grand Canyon or some or. Somewhere in that uh, locality. Another knee I want to mention, too, I mentioned this probably last year. Um, it's, it's a problem, again, uh, catalytic converters. If you see an apartment complex or somebody underneath a car, I wouldn't hesitate. I would call 911. The mm -hmm. theft is, especially in some cities, the theft is unbelievable because the, the uh, catalytic converter contains palladium. Mm -hmm. What is palladium? It goes for a higher price than gold. So a stolen one is in junk value is worth like 150 to $200. So this can be quite a problem. They cut them off one, two, three with a portable saw. And before you know it, it <clears throat> you, you start your car up and you hear a terrible noise. Mm -hmm. And that's the story on the catalytic converters. Yeah, we haven't had any problems uh, with that recently, problem. but we did a while back. Yeah, that, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Big trucks and SUV, big SUVs were usually the ones that were, they were hitting oh. because the catalytic converters were farther back on the exhaust and easier to access. And because of the height of the vehicle, they could slide right up under it, saw that thing loose, like John says, in a couple seconds, and boom, they were gone. Hmm. Oh. 
And another thing I want to mention, too, I ran a course with myself. You can renew your license plate at uh, a tag agency as much as three months before. But all of a sudden, you run into a, a situation where she said, well, you're going to need a new plate. I said, what do you mean a new plate? Well, every 10 years, we update it. That's fine. I said, okay. It's, it's included in the fee because they have to replace it in case with the Florida sunshine and all it could be faded, whatever. Mm. But here's the crazy thing about it. And Florida is so sharp on titles and, and registrations. What happens is she gives you a brand new plate. And she asks you if you want the county or if you want in God we trust mm. or if you want Sunshine State. You have a choice, okay? Mm-hmm. So you're handed the new plate. This could be three months now before you actually uh, do on your birthday expire. And guess what? You keep your old plate. Nonsense, really. Yeah, they yeah. should have it surrendered, give you 10 days or something, and bring it back to them. So, yeah. technically, for a couple of months, you have a plate that's still well, on a system. It won't show that car, but it still has a current plate tag and sticker on it. So it doesn't maybe make sense. Makes no sense at all, John. I'd mention that. You're a great gadfly. You're, you're, you're always pointing out things that... Uh, they need to improve, and that's wonderful. I, you know, I, that's something probably uh, uh, you could talk to the uh, your congressman about, or write a letter to the Department of Motor Vehicles. But what you describe is absolutely uh, ridiculous. Well, it not only did it happen to me, but I, I thought about it at the time, yeah. and at the same time, I'm reading an article in the New York Post that caught a city employee from the Department of Sanitation. You're not going to believe this, with hundreds of thousands of tickets. Okay, and finds that they nailed him. What he was doing, he worked for the sanitation. He knew where the motor vehicle with surrendered plates were being disposed of, uh-huh. not destroyed now. So he took those plates. <laughs> wow. Hard to believe. We just lost John. Uh, I don't know how that happened. 877 960 9960 John, very sorry we hung up on you, and you've got the number. I yeah. just gave it to you again. I'll tell you, John, we were really happy to hear from you. We missed you these past couple of weeks, Absolutely. but give us a call. I'm sure you've uh, written it down, that phone number, 877-960-9960. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I'm going to address uh, Philip's text that he sent me from Pittsburgh. And uh, he's uh, purchasing uh, a new car, and he wants to know uh, why the dealership is concentrating so much on his monthly payments and keeping them low. And uh, I'll address, I'll give you the answer, uh, and then I'll let the panel, uh, you know, address it. Uh, but this is this is their way of, uh, of keeping... Well, uh, all these variables, they inflate them, and uh, that's anything from the loan interest, uh, the length of time of the loan, and uh, I'll turn this question over to uh, Earl and let him uh, uh, finish the uh, answer. I think everybody's basically a monthly payment buyer. That's what the car dealers call everyone that comes in the door. Uh, We think in terms of monthly payments. We rarely think in terms of the cash price of a vehicle. And uh, you have a income that usually comes in weekly or monthly, and you pay your light bill and your mortgage payment and your car payment. So 
uh, it's not a good way to think about the price of a product. You should think in terms of the total price, because sooner or later you will be paying the total price, and then some with the interest. So always check the price and, and get the best price before you even get into the monthly payment. Monthly payment's important, too, mainly because of the interest rate, but don't ever buy a car based on the payment. Usually it maximizes the profit to the dealer. Uh, how about did, uh, YouTube? E excuse any? me, um, did we lose our uh, next caller? From, uh, from North Palm Beach? Yes, we did. Uh, oh, the, there was another caller beyond John. Uh, I guess we did, or maybe, uh, uh, Tim, are you call? Let's uh, go Tim, to, let's give go us to a call a, back uh, at 877. Uh, Caught okay. it for the moment. Okay, here's what I've got. 960-9960. I'd like to talk about something that is um, kind of an insider thing with car dealers. And I've got a page from the Automotive News. Excuse me, we are fortunate enough to have another caller, and that is, oh, Tina's back with us uh, again this Saturday from uh, Bonita Springs. Good morning, Tina. Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Good. Um, I love a little gossip and scandal, and I was just reading about a big-time scandal that happened with one of the Porsche dealerships in the East Coast. What, happens is, what happened was they had a salesman, and he was taking deposits for some of these very high-end Porsche cars. Mm -hmm. And people were dropping like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 waiting in line to get one of these vehicles delivered. Well, time kind of went on, and what happened with the account that he was dropping these in was it grew to about $2.5 million. Wow. And then as that grew, now this man is married. He has 10, count them, 10 children. And he was starting to get dollar signs in his eyes. Now, this was a salesman that the dealership had trusted. He'd worked for them for a long time, and he was very good. So what happened is he started dipping his fingers into, well, he didn't dip his fingers. He put both hands into this bank account, wow. and he was living the high life. Boy. Well, everything was all great. Everything was all great until he got caught. Then he was on the lam for six months, and the last I heard in April, he finally got put behind bars. But he was running up like ten, twenty thousand dollar bar tabs. He was taking jet set trips. He was buying all kinds of things, just like crazy. He was, mm -hmm. he just, he just got greedy. And unfortunately, he ended up getting caught. And the good thing about this Porsche dealership is they've realized the smear to their reputation, and they're doing everything they can to make it right with the customers. Yeah. But the moral of the story is you cannot trust anybody that you think you can trust. Well, the same thing happened, uh, funny to, uh, not funny, but uh, the Porsche dealer in Fort Lauderdale, Champion Porsche, and this was two yeah, or three years cool. ago. And I guess if you're going to steal deposits, it's like a Porsche dealership or a Rolls-Royce or a Audi or a BMW, high-priced cars uh, call for high deposits, and oftentimes these cars are special ordered, and so you have a good lag time when you can sit on the deposit and spend it. Um, the protection to the buyer is always be sure you get an official receipt from the dealership. My guess is that the buyers were getting receipts on a business card or maybe a generic receipt that someone would have bought at Office Depot. But if you're buying from Champion Porsche, you want an official Champion Porsche receipt. I suppose that if you wanted to go far enough, you could counterfeit your receipts. 
So uh, if you're if you're putting a whole lot of money down, there's there's two things that you want to be sure of when you get a receipt for a deposit. One that it's a legitimate receipt from that dealership, and you can tell hopefully by looking at the receipt, and you can confirm by talking to the manager. Uh, and the other thing you want to be sure of when you get a receipt from a car dealer is that it says refundable. In the state of Florida, this is where I got to keep remember we're, we're worldwide. Every state's a little different. In the state of Florida. Uh, if you state a deposit is refundable, that's your only insurance, you can get it back. A car dealer can give you an argument, even though you don't buy the car and change your mind of keeping your receipt, unless it says refundable, and usually in the fine print on the receipt. Well, you know, I would think that, I understand that a lot of people want the newest and the latest and the greatest, but sometimes I think it really pays to be a little bit patient, maybe wait a year or two, and then get the car that you want because you're not going to take the depreciation hit and you won't have to take a risk with your deposit. You're exactly right. I, I'd be very nervous. I never thought about deposits. If you're buying a $100,000 vehicle, I can see a $10,000 deposit being fairly routine, and that's a lot of money. And I would want to be real sure that my money was being uh, kept in escrow and the bank account of the dealership I bought it from, not in the back pocket of the salesman. That's, but that's a pretty scary. At least they caught the guy. But And I'm glad to hear the dealer is uh, going to be responsible. They should be responsible. And they're stepping up to the plate to take care of the deposits. Uh, but that's a terrible situation. Tina, thank you very much for the call. Yeah, and you know, every, every dealership should have a set of checks and balances and not one salesman should be dealing with a situation like that. It should be like two signatures and then an approval from a manager, and then it goes into a dedicated bank account that nobody could really touch. Exactly. The paperwork should reflect the amount of the deposit, and the paperwork is is the managers to see it, the, you know, the whole accounting department. It's a matter of record, and uh, that would be one way to verify that the dealership had your money would be to verify with the accounting department that I just gave my salesman a, you know, a deposit for $10,000. Would you please double-check my paperwork and your computer and verify that it's reflected in your records? And that would be probably the best way to verify the deposit. Something I hadn't thought about until your call, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you all in the morning. Okay, Tina. Thank you, Tina. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772 772- Four nine seven six five three zero. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Uh, I think we do have a YouTuber. We do have a, one YouTuber has chimed in. Uh, Frank, of course, says good morning, and his comments kind of interesting here. I like this. The degree of analysis paralysis is how <laughs> soon you need a vehicle. The less desperate you are, the greater the paralysis. I am suffering from this. The problem I have is I'm looking for a vehicle with Ferrari-like performance, Camry-like reliability, Jeep Wrangler-like looks and comfort, <laughs> all for about $20,000. I'm still looking. <laughs> Laugh out loud. Well, I hope you're patient. You're going to be looking a long time. I was about ready to talk about something that was an in, kind of an internal thing for us car dealers. Uh, I'll hold up the page. You won't be able to read it because... First of all, if you listen to the radio, you can't read it, but even if you're streaming, it's a lot of fine print. And it's from the Automotive News, and we get this weekly. And uh, the report uh, gives the incentives 
that uh, are issued called customer incentives. Now, they used to, the Automotive News used to publish the dealer incentives, but they don't publish the dealer incentives anymore. Uh, I suppose there was a hue and cry from the car dealers. Now, these incentives are quite large, and they're not on the price that you see advertised. Uh, they're not on the MSRP. Uh, you're really not privy to any of the dealer incentives, and oftentimes you're not even aware of the customer incentives unless you happen to see the advertisements that the manufacturers do. And these, these incentives can be substantial. I'm looking at Jaguar here, and they're as high as $11,000. I uh, look here at a Cadillac, it's $8,000. Uh, even Toyota Avalon, as much as $4,000. And these are advertised by the manufacturers. You may see them, you may not. And on the other side of the equation, the truly secret, uh, call it what you will, price reductions, are dealer incentives. Now, let's say there's a customer incentive to buy a particular car. I'll make up a, a Honda Accord. Let's say the customer incentive is $1,000. There may also be a dealer incentive on that very vehicle for another thousand or two thousand dollars now the invoice of that car doesn't reflect this and the msrp of that car does not reflect this so i think you're beginning to see my point when you go in to buy a car from a dealer the invoice is almost meaningless the invoice typically packs in profit hidden profit of thousands of dollars to the dealer so when you're told by a dealer, I'm selling you this car at $500 over invoice or $1,000 over invoice, you're actually paying that dealer a big fat profit. He can, in fact, sell you that car at his invoice because it's not his cost. It's, it's really something that should be made illegal for the manufacturers and the dealers to call that piece of paper an invoice. If you look it up in Webster, an invoice says the cost of a product and then you have the retail price. It is not the cost of the product to the car dealer. It is a packed uh, tool to make profit for the dealer. And with that said, I think we have some text coming in. I, yeah. I see Stuart That's has great information. Uh, that's from the Automotive News, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, we've got uh, calls, and we lost calls. So uh, Alan and Tim... Uh, give us a call back, please, 877-960-9960. I, I have something I'd like to say to Matt Goldapper and the management and ownership of True Oldies. Uh, we've been uh, struggling with these phones now for about six weeks uh, at least, and every week when we talk about it, you assure us the problem will be fixed. Oh. So a little shout-out to the owners and the management of True Oldies 95.9. Please get these phones fixed. It's embarrassing to us, and it's very frustrating to our callers. Uh, people call the show, they like the show, and they get hung up on. And it's just embarrassing to us. I hope we can get this fixed by next week. We'll resort to the we're, text now. We're going to, I'm going to interrupt you. Uh, we're going to go to Kaylin, who is a first-time caller, and she's calling us from Green Acres. Welcome to the show, Kaylin. And congratulations for getting through the minefield to be able to call this show. Kaylin, how can we help you? Yes, hi. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I, have a, um, I'm a, I have a question. Um, I, I'm in a lease right now, and my lease is up uh, January 13th. 
I know that's a bad time of the month. Um, as I've learned from listening to you, you know, for this past year, I wish I knew <laughs> all the information I know today from you. Thank you. Um, and I'm really concerned about the fact that I really would like to purchase the car that I am leasing right now. Mm-hmm. And due to the fact that I was pressured and I was, it was the end of the day and I was like worn down and I said, okay, and did give in. And um, afterwards, I was very sorry because I had given in a Kia that I would have had all paid in, within two years. And consequently, I've been paying now going on three years uh, for this lease and with nothing in return. How should I approach them on purchasing this? What is the best way? Okay, I'm I do like the. I have a Kia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I have a uh, Toyota Corolla, and I uh, not a Corolla. I'm sorry. Um, uh, it is a Camry. Toyota Corolla. Um, no, it's a Corolla, okay. and I do like it very much. And um, I get you know excellent gas mileage and. Um, um, being just turning 81, I'm very comfortable with it. Um, and um, how can I go about doing this without getting ripped off as I feel like I was? Well, you have an option to buy, and it's on your lease contract. If you look on your lease contract, it's a residual value, and it was, it was determined when you first leased that vehicle. Now, it may be a good price and may not be. Uh, the chances are it's probably higher than you would want to pay to buy that car. Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, uh, it is. Y- you might be able to negotiate uh, the price of the car. Uh, and, Stu, you're more familiar with this than I. Uh, yeah, I, I, I believe that the dealer can't make the decision. It has to be the leasing company, right? That's correct. So, That's correct. So you can talk to your dealership and see if they can negotiate a lower price for you with the leasing company. And uh, if you can, uh-huh. fine. If not, don't buy it. You know what vehicle you have. You can shop around on Auto Trader and see what that year make model Kia sells for on the open market. And if you want to keep that car, uh, you can have one just like it or close to it if they won't give you a fair price. Uh, tip, uh, you might get lucky, and your residual could be a bargain. But before you do that, you need to determine the market value of that vehicle. And you can do that by checking with uh, uh, other sources. You can talk to uh, you can look at Auto Trader. Um, you can talk to Kia well, dealers. I do Go- have, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no I, have, uh, I do have a nephew... Um, that is uh, deals with used cars dealerships up in, in Maine. Oh, good. And he is going to be here uh, this winter um, in Florida, and he told me he would go and help me if I asked him, if I needed him, that he would be available. So he will, he will know the exact, you know, book value on it for used vehicle. Oh, that's great. So I do have that in my favor. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again... I just wondered if you had any helpful ends that you can, um, you know, have me uh, keep me aware of. Usually the residual okay. value is a little higher than what you could yeah. buy, and sometimes it's not, and that's a, it can be a bargain. But when your nephew comes in, uh, <coughs> you can check with the Kia dealer used car manager. Uh, I check with two no, or three Kia dealers. Well, 
Toyota. It's Toyota. 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 Well, the Toyota deal, you use car manager, and you can take it to CarMax. Uh, you can also uh, check with other sources. But get get a third-party verification, and your nephew can help you do that. And if you get a, you can buy it for $1,000 less than the residual value, it's great. Uh, you don't want to pay much over the residual value, and, uh, and you will we'll know that when the time comes. Okay, now the other question I have is, do I still have to purchase it through the lease company, or can I just, uh, my bank that I deal with is a, uh, a union bank, mm -hmm. and uh, they had offered me a very reasonable price on uh, buying a car, and they told me, I, I explained to them my situation, they will give me a check. And uh, they said, you just hold this check in your hand, and it's an open check. Mm -hmm. So um, so you can get your best value. And if you don't want that, you can use this to buy. But they will be, my bank is going to be the holder, mm -hmm. not them. Yeah. Well, you'd buy so it through the dealership. Yeah, the, 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 the sale is still going to go through the deal. They'll facilitate, they'll do all the paperwork and the titling and registration. But you definitely can finance it uh, with, your own, with your own bank. You bring in a check. So even if you're buying the, the okay. lease vehicle out, you're not dealing directly with the leasing company. It'll be uh, through the dealer that you um, that you leased it from. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right now, do I have to do it through them, or can I go to another Toyota dealership? Um, with Toyota, are you, are you, are you here in the southeast? Uh, are you in Florida? I am I'm in, I'm in Green Acres. Yes, I am. I'm not too okay. far from you, believe it or not. <laughs> okay. So yes, I went into, yes. Yeah, so the leasing dealer, the the dealer that leased it to you, um, gets first dibs at at, um, at, at buying the car, um, but I think you can choose your dealer. So I don't think that's an issue. You should just let Southeast uh, Toyota okay. Finance, who you're probably leasing through, let them know that you want to buy the vehicle, um, and you tell them the dealership you want to you want to go through, and they should work with you. Okay. All right. Great. That's great information. Thank you, Kayla. If you'll hold on. Yes. My name is actually Haylen, H-A-L-E-N, and usually I everybody just calls me Haylene. It makes it easier. Kayleen. Nobody knows how to okay. say my name. <laughs> if you have a pencil, you can jot down my number, and you can text me your information, and I can send that $50 out to you. Would you like to do that? Well, uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Any, everything and anything helps these days. Okay. Okay. My All number right. Thank you. is 561 386 6498. All right, now I'll, I'll repeat that 561 386 6498. Correct. Okay, and my, my number is going to come up as a 1989, and I have never given up my telephone number. I don't blame you. I live you. here in Florida. I understand. I'm a Floridian. Will you okay, send me that in so a text, time. and I'll get you that 50. Thanks again for calling. Okay. Give thank us, you. Give us, give, us a, give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us, 772-497-6500. I think we got a bunch of texts over there, don't we, Sue? Yeah, they're starting to pile up. Uh, the first one came in here on youranonymousfeedback.com, and it says, uh, Hello, Earl. 
There's a 2019 Honda Civic Touring that a local dealer is offering just under 27000 as an out-the-door price and 9000 for my trade. Um, it's a 2013 Honda Civic EXL. From your perspective, is this a good deal? Um, I did a little little background before I read this, and on the trade-in, on the 2013 Honda Civic EXL, I think uh, $9,000 um, dep- I guessed on the miles. You didn't give me the miles. Um, I put in average miles about eighty-five thousand, and came up with a wholesale value somewhere in, you know, in nine thousand ninety-five hundred dollars. So I think that the trading is okay. Um, can't speak um, authoritatively on the price of the new Honda, but what we'll recommend is go to TrueCar.com, and also go to CostcoAuto.com, and uh, that's probably your best bet on how you're going to get the lowest price on the new one. Um, the good news is it looks like they're definitely in the ballpark on the trade, um, but I couldn't tell you right now if the uh, selling price on the uh, on the Civic. I did go on the True Car, start to price it out, uh, and I got lost in all the options and the uh, mm-hmm. packages and the special colors, and so it's it's, it's kind of tough for me to get a good price on that for you. But TrueCar.com, put a, put your zip code in, and CostcoAuto.com, put your zip code in, and you should be able to get the best price. And competition is probably. Uh, it's not obsolete. We've got all these other sources, uh, price information now. But three Honda dealers fighting each other is the best way to get a low price. Yeah. Your only challenge when you do that is to keep the apples and the apples and don't mix in the oranges. Be sure you get the price on the exact same vehicle from three different dealers. Don't get switched to a different model or a demonstrator or something like that. And you do the same thing when you trade in. You get get three bids on your trade, three bids on your new Honda. And that'll give you the lowest price every time. Sounds good. Okay. We are going to welcome Sam to the show, and he's calling us from New Jersey. Good morning, Sam. Yes, good morning. Um, I'm calling regarding uh, leasing a car in in New Jersey uh, and taking it to Texas because that's where I work and live. So I was looking to lease the 2020 RDX. Accurate. dealers here in Jersey. Yes, accurate. Uh, I got a good deal from about three dealers, I think, because I was giving them a one-pay lease. I don't know if it's a good idea. Uh, this is the RDX base model with uh, uh, 36,000 miles three year for $17,000 for the three years, including tax, tax, and everything, what they tell me. Every time I go to get it, they approved me, but when I go to take, take it to get the car, they tell me, no, we made a mistake, so it's 19000 The other two said, no, we can't give it to you because you're taking it to Texas. And the other one said, no, we just won't give it to you. I have to go and get it in Texas. So that's one of my problems. Why are they not giving me when I'm there to sign, give them one pay, and be done with it? Three years later, I'll bring it back to them, or I'll give it up in Texas and then possibly lease another car, uh, Acura. And this is my first time doing it, so that's something that's bothering me. If even they approve me, they don't give it to me. And second thing, is it a good idea to lease with one pay, or is it really not a good idea? My credit score is 800 plus anyway to begin with. And I also made a deal up in Texas where I got the same car, four-wheel drive, even though I don't need it there, but for 18000 I thought I could save $1,000 down here in Jersey versus Texas. So what should I do? Should I get it only in Texas and pay 1000 and tell them to give me the same price? 17. What should I do? Well, um, I'm not familiar with Acura leasing programs, but um, 
Generally speaking, um, the ones I'm familiar with, uh, one pay lease, um, you're paying the same amount uh, in total lease payments, whether not whether you write the check at the beginning or if you make payments over the course of the uh, over the lease. Um, I have seen in the past where there was an incentive to do a one pay lease. If that's the case, it, that might make sense to go ahead and just write the check up front. Uh, if it's the same, I think it makes more sense to keep your money in, in your bank account and and not give it to the leasing company all at once. Um, you know, for number one, just because you let your money work for you, but also because if something changes, uh, say you're six months out um, and you and and you hate the car and you want to get out, you can get out of a lease a little bit early. And if you write them a check for all the payments, uh, you're pretty much out. You you've already given them the money. There's, you don't you don't have any recourse. Um, to answer your question of why they've approved you and they've given you a total um, pay, um, a total for the payments and that changed. Um, well, I, I would definitely try a different dealership. Um, they could be monkeying. They, they might have made a mistake when they quoted you, quoted you um, but they also could be uh, deceiving. Go ahead. Three dealers did in Jersey to me the same thing, basically. So they but gave you an approval on the total amount of payments, and then when you came in, they said um, it would be more? One told me it was 19000 The second one told me, no, we won't lease you because you're taking the taxes. Yeah. And third one just didn't give it to me I said I mean I'm giving you everything up in front uh, I'm in a very high profession area anyway but regardless I don't know what that has to do with it regardless yeah. they refused me but I got a deal in Texas but I'm paying a thousand dollars more so I just don't understand what's going on I'd rather save money that way and one pay lease what they were telling me is cheaper so I got okay. into that but again uh, the whole three-year thing, they're saying 18, 19, something. I was just trying to save that money there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with these guys. I mean, you're doing the right thing right now. I mean, you're getting multiple dealerships to give you different quotes on your on the lease. Um, I was going to suggest that because you know, it's so easy to do online that you get in touch with a, a dealer in Texas, but you've already done that, and it's more money. Um, I think you're going down the right path. It, it definitely sounds really frustrating. I mean, I, if I were going to try to verify whether a one-pay lease um, made sense, would, would just get a lease quote just on a regular 36-month lease, and um, you do the total up the payments and then ask them what it would be for a one-pay. What you might, try, lower. You, yeah. you might try calling Acura Corporate, uh, go online and uh, report your issue, tell them that you have the issue with three dealers, the same issue, and uh, what, what that will do will generate a phone call to one of the dealerships, or maybe all three of them, uh, that will uh, accomplish getting through to a higher level at the dealership. Uh, you never know when someone's trying to scam you, whether it's a low-level scam or a high-level. Usually, it's a low-level, and the general manager of the dealership or the owner of the dealership doesn't know about it. When you go on the 800 number to the manufacturer, Acura in this case, and they go to the general manager or owner with the your complaint, it kicks your issue up uh, the ladder a little bit, and you're less likely to be scammed. But give that a try. If that doesn't work, uh, call us back. Uh, uh, this is a unique problem. I have, I've never heard of this happening with three different dealerships. Usually when you go to one, it happens, and then you go to the second one, and they straighten the issue out. But this is a unique problem. Try yeah. kicking it upstairs that's with Acura. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I tried. Three dealerships calling the one, maybe the, yeah. the wrong one, second, but three. That seems real yeah. odd. The other thing is this. When I get a car like this, since this is my first time, I'm scared to get a car that I might, at the end of the day, they charge me extra money for this and that and that. 
So I tell them to give me or include in the price something called extra tire wear and tear. That's what they accept and they give it to me. But when I tell them to give me a damage waiver, all three have a different thing. No, we don't offer it. They have a $750 cap. So anything happens, you can go to your own personal insurance and they will pay for it, blah, blah, blah. And then somebody offered me, okay, there's a $2,000 limit and you have to pay something extra. Somebody offered me there's a $7 limit. You have to pay something about $2,000 extra for that to cover you up. I'm not so clear. I rather have, when I lease the car, I rather have it protected so that if there's any dings and dangs and what have you happen, I'm protected. Because my goal after three years is to release it another one, hopefully from them or the Lexus people. So how do I protect? What do I tell them to give it to me so it's the right one I'm buying, I'm protected properly, and at the end of the day, I don't get charged anything additional? What do I do? I, I would say that, you know, I, are you, are you used to having problems and dings and dents in your car? Uh, the, the insurance that you would buy against that would be uh, prohibitive. It would be, too, it would be too expensive typically. Uh, I think just uh, by being very careful when you drive the car and if you have an issue with a car, a dent or a ding or a scratch, be sure you get um, an objective evaluation of what the cost is. But uh, I, I, I would never recommend buying that kind of insurance. But don't they send, uh, sell you something called extra wear and tear yes. insurance and damage waiver? That's all I'm trying to buy so that I'm protected at the end of the lease. Yeah, That's so, Earl's, yeah, and, and have you leased before? Have you released cars before? No, this is my first time. Okay. No, um, well, first time. The car that you're the car that you're currently own. I mean, how's it look? I mean, if I guess what Earl was saying is, you know, if you typically can go three years with a, a scratch or a little ding here and there, it it's not worth it to buy that extra the wear and tear on insurance. Um, but if you know, and I know people that maybe it might be in the studio right now that. Consistently gets little dings and scratches on their car. It might it, be a bargain might, for me. It, it might be. A, I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't say it was you. <laughs> but you were looking at me. No, I was looking at. Uh, was looking, looking at Jonathan. Oh. <laughs> I was looking at myself. I no. have a 2016 CRV that looks brand new to me. But again, yeah. I'm not a professional. When you go to these people, don't, you look at don't. every single thing, and they can add it up. Sam, don't, don't, don't buy it. it. Don't yeah. buy it. It's, it's not a. It, it's a lot of profit to the dealer. They sell that, and that's one of the ways they make more profit on the car it's not worth it just drive carefully if you're if you're sounds to me like you're a good driver and the cost of the insurance would be prohibitive yeah true in the last seven years i've never had an accident but again when you park the car people yeah. sometimes yeah. not careful or sometimes they open the door that's what i'm worried yeah. about but those that's little those little dings are really cheap to repair the you know, paintless dent repair you can get you know for less than 100 bucks you might be able to get a door ding out yeah. a lot of things can be buffed out and then there's also um the leasing company expects a certain amount when they drive the car they know it's not going to come back looking like it was in the showroom um it's called reasonable wear and tear so there might be a little scratch or nicker here on the on the bumper and they're not going to ding you for it so like earl said the um, insurance yeah. product is a lot of money and you don't get a whole lot out of it. Sam, thanks very much for the yeah, call. I, I was just telling them to. And, and please call us back uh-huh. after you check with Acura. I'm very curious to see what they have to say about why you're being given the runaround by three Acura dealers. That's uh, very unusual. But call next week, yeah, would you please? In New Jersey, in North Jersey. Can you no. believe it? Yeah. Call us next week. Uh, we're all curious how that works out. Thank you very much for the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, you can go to youranonymousfeedback.com. 
and you can voice your opinion. It's completely anonymous. Say whatever you want. Youranonymousfeedback.com. I believe that Stu has some text. We got one on youranonymousfeedback.com. Oh. Good morning. I have a 2014 and a half Camry. I remember those. Uh, part of the touch screen is unresponsive. How much should it cost to get the radio replaced? Ooh. And how long does it take? Thank you. Uh, Rick's starting to sweat there because it's, it's not cheap. I haven't got to pay for it. So <laughs> uh, Those radios are stupid expensive. Um, I've seen them as much as $1,000. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a 2014 technology radio. My opinion, the best way to handle this, go over to Best Buy or your local uh, electronics store, mm-hmm. and you can find a radio with 2019, actually 2020 technology, and have it installed there for less than half the price in most cases, well, and you will get a much better yeah. updated radio with all the new features and because I can tell you the, tw- better shape. the 2019 uh, radio isn't, isn't much better. So if you go, you know, you go yeah. aftermarket. In the future, they're coming. The good stuff's coming. But right now, yeah. you can get a lot better at Best Buy. Sorry, Toyota. Much okay. better option there. <laughs> yeah, great advice. Next, next text. Next one. Uh, hello, I'm rebuilding my credit. I'm going to be financing a car for the first time. I have a co-signer helping me with excellent credit. Is there anything specific I need to know about having a co-signer in the process or expectations? That's from Kyle. Well, just uh, uh, it's more important that the cosigner know what uh, the cosigner's obligations. The cosigner is totally obligated. Are you and, trustworthy, Kyle? And uh, you're right. <laughs> and I would say, be very thankful. I uh, uh, we we have a lot of uh, being in the retail car business. We mm-hmm. have a lot of sad stories about cosigners that get stuck with cars, and sometimes it ruins their credit too. Uh, we have an issue now with a a man whose uh, daughter didn't make payments on the car and he was getting ready to buy a home, yep. his retirement home, and now he can't buy the home because his daughter didn't make the payments on the car. True story. So, so uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, be grateful and there's nothing you really need to know that you should be th- very thankful to your yeah. co-signer. That's right. Um, just the co-signer obviously is going to have their credit run, so it, um, that's going to be on there and like he said, it's all up to you. <laughs> Uh, we got a couple more came in. We have, uh, oh, Rick in California. This is a question for Earl. When did gas stations stop calling high-test gasoline ethyl? I didn't know they called it ethyl. <laughs> Before your time, Stu. I'm just thinking of ethyl. What is that? That's from, is that from I Love, I Love Lucy? No, no, no. no. Ethyl? It's when uh, fuel used to be ethylene alcohol fuel. I was thinking of the woman's was name. was an additive ethyl. into gasoline many, many, many years ago. Yeah, I don't remember the year, but... Uh, yeah, that's that's the reason they called it ethyl. It was just like, you know, he called the high tension ethyl. And, yeah, surely. Yeah. <laughs> we used to call it you know, Shirley. <laughs> when I, I remember I, ethyl I, and Lucy. I, th- I think right. it, it must have been when I was very young because I remember a silly, dirty joke about ethyl. Don't, uh, don't say it. I know uh, that joke. I, uh, don't tell it. <laughs> so I had to be a I had to be an adolescent yeah. to have appreciated that joke. And then I is thought that why you started smiling as, as soon as I read that. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, you're getting time <laughs> up. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, we got one from a former Mazda dealer here. It's from uh, Devlin in Wellington. As a former Mazda dealer, I'm sorry, you're the former Mazda dealer, sorry. (laughs) As a former Mazda dealer, Earl, uh, can you tell me why the rotary engine failed to catch on with Mazda? The rotary engine had a chronic issue 
with the seals on the triangular rotor that spun around in the combustion area. And they call them the apex seals. And <clears throat> think about it, the RPMs on this rotor uh, would go up to, I'm thinking, uh, 12, 14,000 RPM. And the red line, I used to love driving those rotary engines because you, you could take it up to 8,000 RPM before it redlined. And uh, the problem was that the seal would wear out and then you wouldn't get the um, combustion. It would, well, it would just blow the whole engine. Yep. Uh, and they kept trying. Uh, they never fixed it. Uh, as a Mazda dealer back in those days, I made a fortune in warranty work because we would sell a, a rotary engine Mazda and six, eight, ten months it'd be back. We put another engine in then another six months it'd come back. I put another engine in and I was making a fortune uh, uh, with warranty work. And it's a shame because other than that, it's kind of like other than the play, how to, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play? Uh, the same thing, other than the fact that your rotor engine blows up all the time, how do you like your car? But before it blew up, it was probably the most amazing performance car I've ever driven. I mean, they were, they were quiet. They had continuous, it was almost like an electric engine. They, there was no shift. Like feeling. a wine. Yeah, no, and on a little, little bit of wine. Yeah. But just, they used to win, the rotor engines would win, win all the races because the races were in displacement class, cubic inches. And a 100 inch cubic inch rotor engine would outperform a 200 inch uh, combustion piston engine. So uh, that's all I know. Ricky, you know anything? More about that? No, you've you've got it on the head right there. Yeah. I remember it all. every bit yeah. of it. I, when I was a little kid, I remember you had a um, a plastic a working model of a rotor engine on your desk back at the, yeah. at the old dealership in West Palm, <clears throat> and you could turn the you turn the end and you could see all the, the moving parts through the clear plastic. It was really cool. It didn't look it looked like something from a spaceship. Oh, yeah. Nice. yeah, pretty cool. All right, we got one here from Kevin, um, and Kevin's also in Illinois. Actually, he texted us earlier. He says, "Hello, this is Kevin once again. Uh, so I'm in the market for a new vehicle." However, unlike the majority of customers, I'm paying cash. I still owe about $10,681 in my car, and I'm looking to trade it in. A number of dealerships are offering 7000 to 9000 for it. However, when I requested the total price of the vehicle, including tax, title, and license, it ends up being astronomically high. Then I noticed that the payoff of my current vehicle is factored into the price. My impression was that they would pay the bank 9000 and I would pay the negative equity, and that would be transferred into the cost of the vehicle. Am I missing something? Um, yes, you, you kind of are missing something. So the way it works is uh, first look at the transaction just in terms of the price of the new vehicle and the trade-in value of your car. So if they're, say, they're charging you 25000 for the new one and they're giving you 9000 for uh, for the trade-in, the difference there is, do the math for me, somebody, 17000 <laughs> yeah. But the point is, then at the very end, then they're going to add your total payoff. Everything you owe on that car is going to be added to that bill of sale. And so when you hear advertisements from dealers say, we'll pay off your car no matter what you owe, that's true. It doesn't matter with you because you're paying for it. They're just writing the check. That's right. They're, they're paying it off with your money. Right. So um, no matter what, when you entered into the contract um, on the loan for your current vehicle, you owe that money to the bank no, no matter what. That's by contract. Um, in the case where you didn't have negative equity, let's say you owed less than the car was worth, um, you would see that as a, um, it wouldn't increase that much at the end. But let's say you only owed... A thousand on the car, they're going to add that thousand dollar payoff at the end of the at the bottom line of your of your sales contract. So, um, I can't vouch for whether you're getting a good deal or not, but I can tell you they're doing it correctly. 
Okay. okay. Um, I have a question from Carla, and uh, she is uh, living in the Orlando area. She wants to know if there are only certain dealers that will hold a car overnight. She's in the process of purchasing a new car. I don't think so. I think that uh, other than high-pressure dealers that will push you and pressure you to take the car home right now, but if you uh, decide on a car, uh, certainly if you put a deposit down, I think uh, most dealers would agree to hold the car for you. Okay, Carla, I hope we answered your question. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And I believe that uh, Rick has got some... We've got a couple. Uh, Roger's got a really good one here, Roger Coble from YouTube. If you have a car with a GDI engine, gas direct injection, for an example of Mazda MX-5, how often, time slash miles, would you recommend top-end cleaning, valve stem cleaning, and what method of cleaning, and what are your thoughts on oil catch cans? Oh, I don't know anything about that high technology, but I do know that you should do what your owner manual recommends. My thoughts would be exactly that on that top-end cleaning. Uh, go with what the owner's manual recommends. And otherwise, uh, because this is kind of a new technology, the gas direct, direct injection, mm -hmm. it's almost like how diesel engines work, where the fuel is injected directly into the cylinder. I would consider looking at sources like Road & Track, some of the other high-performance uh, magazines and sources like that to see if there's other information out there. And that's actually where I went to look to find a little information on this oil catch can. Now, basically, folks, what this is, is it's an added device to your car that when you have the hose that goes from the crankcase of the engine back up to the intake, uh, it puts a little can in the length of that in order to catch any oil vapor that's going up and collect it in that can rather than let it go back into the intake manifold. Um, According to a lot of sources, they seem to be a pretty good idea, but I wouldn't worry about it so much on a newer car. Only if you have an older engine that's starting to get some miles on it, it might be a good idea to help keep that engine in good condition. Boy, will I be glad when we have all electric cars and we don't have to worry about this kind of stuff. Exactly. I mean, it's just too complicated. You get, I mean, some of these ideas are really great. Yeah. And, but you, it's every time it's a new technology and you got to train new technicians and it's like a science project to fix a car. You get yourself a big fat battery that'll get you uh, 400 miles. Four little electric motors. Yeah, a little yeah. electric. Well, I mean, and, and then it'll be learning how to handle all the electronics and the computer controls. Yeah, well, so that's okay. right. Hey, it'll Rick, get even more my, interesting. My head's spinning. Can you repeat that answer? Just kidding. <laughs> Thank you. www.itain'tgonnahappen.com. <laughs> okay, we got another. I've got, I've got one here from Tim in Florida, and I, I want to hear your answer on this one, Earl. He says, Earl, I want to buy a vehicle that will get the female's attention. Tell me which vehicle to buy from you, and will you guarantee if I buy from you that I will have to fight the females off of me? Well, that's a trap question because I got an answer. But it would make me, uh, you know, I, the evil Earl, the old guy. That's right. Huh? And uh, I, can, I have to give a feminist or at least a, a neutral answer. I was going to say maybe a, 
you know, like a bright red Mercedes convertible or something like that. But, mm. but that's an old-fashioned answer. Yeah. Uh, I, I have an answer for you. It depends on what kind of a woman you're attracting. True. Yes. Okay. So maybe you can just uh, finish that. Uh, well, it was my super convertible that attracted you, was it? Uh, <laughs> I still remember. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was your blue eyes. Uh, that, that was, was, was. that was a that was a uh, car you offered. I didn't. I couldn't even spell Celica. Next. I was a Chevy girl. And the <laughs> next one I have here is from Sam in New Jersey. Uh, he's asking on. I believe this was Sam that we were talking about with the uh, one pay lease for seventeen thousand. Mm-hmm. He says Sam from New Jersey. How do I know I'm getting a good deal in a one-pay lease for $17,000? We never discussed with dealer 36-month lease, 17000 is four seventy-two per month, and does residual value matter in one-pay lease if my goal is to not buy the car after three years anyways? Well, the residual they use automatically just to calculate the cost of the lease, whether it's one-pay or monthly payments. So uh, residual also is doubles as your option to buy, but it's nothing you need to worry about if you don't want to buy the car. And the only way to compare lease prices is apples and apples with three different dealers of the same make. Be sure you get the right down payment, the same down payment, the exact same car in the same term, and you got yourself the best deal you can get. Yeah, <clears throat> and also to reiterate, unless you're getting a huge savings between a one-pay and pay-as-you-go, yeah. do pay-as-you-go. Yeah. You don't lock yourself in. Yeah. Okay, we got a question here that says, I want to buy a uh, Ford F450. You've always said to go buy from Costco. What if Costco doesn't list this truck? Where else can I get pricing like Costco? Well, the F450, that's a that's almost like a commercial. That's a big that's a one and a half ton, right? Yeah. That's a big truck. Yeah, um, Costco um, will only list vehicles for sale that, that dealers want to list for sale and not familiar with how they handle like semi-quasi-commercial vehicles. You could try True Car. Uh, you could try uh, uh, Cars.com. But like Earl always says, the best thing you do is get multiple bids from competing dealers. And um, not sure how they wheel and deal on a, on, a, on a big old truck like that. And when you say the Costco doesn't list it, have you, how many Costco dealers have you checked with? Uh, you can spread your yeah. perimeter out and go to different zip codes. Because uh, if you've got a lot of Costco warehouses in your state or wherever you live, you could check with a half a dozen Costco dealers. You might have to drive a ways. Uh, well, no, you're not buying it from the Costco. Yeah, you have to drive a ways to pick your car up. But Or you could take the price that you got on your Costco, maybe go to your local dealer. I'm surprised that Costco, some Costco dealer, it's up to the Costco uh, dealer to decide whether he wants to list the cars. And so I would think that maybe there would be one if you tried enough Costco dealers. Yeah, that sounds like a good strategy. Um, next one, this is from, from Doug and Ollie. And if you guys remember uh, several weeks ago, uh, Doug reported that his uh, his car was hit by lightning yeah. and um, had set off the airbags and everything, and nobody got hurt, uh, but it was a, pr- a pretty uh, traumatic and dramatic event. So uh, he's got an update for us. He says, my, my car that was damaged by lightning is still not fixed after $13,000 in repairs. And, and if you remember, the, the insurance is not totaling that out, so they're making the yeah. repairs on it. So it's still not fixed after 13000 in repairs. State Farm will not total my car, and it's been almost a month now. I hired a lawyer, but is there anything else I can do? Uh, State Farm has not been nice. 
You mean they're not their good neighbor? They're not being a good neighbor. Wow. Alan would have something to add to that. Alan has here. told, yes, he's warned us about this. They are not a good would neighbor. We have to hit the dumb well, button. They, they can be, depending on the situation. They don't want to spend a, a lot of money uh, totaling this car out, so they're going to be, look. looks like they're looking after their own interest right now. Doug, I think you've done all you can do. You got yourself a lawyer. My guess is the lawyer will win. Uh, I've sued State Farm. Uh, my dealership has. And... Uh, Insurance companies don't want to uh, go to trial. They will, they will let you sue them, and they will delay and delay and delay. But they don't want to go to trial because it sets a precedent. So I think your lawyer probably understands this, and they will probably come to you to settle. And I think the settlement will probably be, if your lawyer says it's a good settlement, it'll probably be a good settlement. Yep. Uh, we have a longtime texter. This is Johnny in Riviera Beach who says, um, a couple of days ago I saw a report on WPTV Channel 5 that some automobile manufacturers are going to install a backseat warning in their cars. The way it works is when you park your car, before you get out, light on your dashboard will start flashing with a beeping sound warning you to please check your backseat before you leave. The reason for this is to warn people to check their backseat in case they have a baby in a car in their car. I think this is a great idea that should have been done a long time ago. I totally agree. Uh, which manufacturer was that? Uh, I remember reading it, but I can't think of the name of the manufacturer. I don't. I th- was it GM? Um, we a couple. I missed last week's show, but I think a couple of weeks ago we talked about this. Yeah, every I, every manufacturer. I don't recall should. what manufacturer it was. Yeah. Uh, let me look for that. Yeah, we'll Google that. Any more text uh, or yeah. YouTube? Yeah, we got we had a couple more. Yeah. Um, actually, just one more. Why do car salesmen always need to consult their managers? That's a part great question. Simple, no, it's a simple question, but it's actually, uh, yeah. I can address it. It's all part of the dog and pony show. So uh, technically, I mean, if you think about it, why couldn't the salesperson be authorized to give you the price of the car? The whole point is to create a uh, almost like a triangulation. So you got the salesperson trying to pretend that he's working for you. So you'll hear him say things, let me see if I get my boss to do this. Or that sounds like a fair offer, sir, because I think I can get him to do this. It makes you think that you have an ally working with you, but you don't. They're working against you up at the sales desk. So um, the manager is doing what they call loading his lips. So he'll say, go out there and tell him that this is a, uh, a you know, low supply, high demand vehicle and, and the market doesn't bear it. And then they'll go back out, try to go a little bit more, and that's where the back and forth comes from. So the answer is, why do they need to consult their managers? To get you to pay more. It takes back to horse trading, and you know that leads into our mystery shopping report. The dealer started in business in 1907. And think back to 1907. He was a Buick dealer in 1907. You, you went out on the street, what did you see? Model, model A's. Yeah, maybe but, maybe but, maybe a Model A. But you saw horses too. Yeah. I mean, back in 1907, depending on what part of the country, a lot of people were still uh, uh, riding around in horses, and uh, that's the way horses were sold for a, a couple, two, or three hundred years, however long. It was it was horse trading, yeah. and cars are are sold just like we used to trade horses. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to put the lines on hold now, and uh, we would like you to vote on our mystery shopping report that uh, we are preparing for. And uh, that text number is 772-497-6530. Rick, did you have something to add to that? Just a quick note on that uh, ba- uh, backseat baby alert device. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a lot of aftermarket devices out there, but according to Car and Driver magazine, the Association of Global Automakers and the Alliance of Automobile Manufacturers 
Two groups that include nearly every car maker that serves the U.S. market have agreed they'll have rear seat occupant alerts in the entire passenger car fleets as standard equipment. Fantastic. By 2025 or sooner. Wow. So all those not babies just are going to be in the manufacturing by then. All of them. Oh. Great information. But they're coming. Yeah, and you can go to uh, consumerreport.org where I read a great article on what Rick just uh, elaborated on. Consumerreport.org. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Okay, let's uh, jump into the mystery shopping report. And that is, as Stu alluded to earlier, beginning of the show, of Delray Buick GMC. Um, has anybody out there heard of Delray Buick GMC? Is it just me? I don't remember seeing advertisements. Uh, there's a lot of car dealers in this market. I thought I knew every one of them. But th this is a very quiet dealership. Yeah. I was really surprised. Uh, after the Mr. Shopping Report, we might have some time. If you've heard of the Delray Buick GMC, I'd love to hear a call from somebody because it's just like they weren't there and we found them by accident. Uh, it's always, and it's a new place. Obviously, we haven't shopped them before because we didn't know they were there. Yep. Um, it's, uh, they're on US 1 and they're on Automobile Row uh, with all the other dealers. Used to be owned by Ralph, uh, we used to be called Ralph Buick. At one time, Ralph Buick was the largest Buick dealership in the USA. At one time, Schumacher was, and they used to go back and forth between the two, uh, back 30 years ago, I guess. Uh, Delray Buick GMC is part of an old dealership group with 19 dealerships. That's even crazier that I haven't heard of them. Um, in five states across the U.S., Garber, G-A-R-B-E-R, -E Automotive. Uh, and when I say they're old, they're really old. How old are they? Yes. <laughs> 1907, I said earlier. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, is that, you must have Googled that. I did. Teddy Roosevelt was president, and that's a long time ago. 30 years before my father, Earl Stewart Sr., uh, established his Pontiac dealership in West Palm Beach. That's really uh, oh, interesting. We were, I thought we were old. Yeah, that is really, that's really great. Uh, for hanging around for 112 years, amazing. I have to, 112 years. I have to assume they're doing something right. And from the looks of their online reputation, uh, that seems to be the case. They have great Google reviews, Facebook, cars.com, and DealerRadar. I noticed you didn't uh, mention Yelp. And, uh, it had a 3.5 on Yelp. A 3.5, Which yeah. is kind of typical. Uh, yeah. For some, Yelp isn't that big around here. So if yeah. you look at most dealerships, there's a big leap between their Yelp reviews and everything else. Yeah. Uh, is Yelp still kind of specializing in, in restaurants? And, yeah. yeah. Uh, Delray Buick GMC is a pretty big dealership, and this surprised me. I mean, the fact they're so big, 300 new vehicles in yeah. stock and 100 uh, used vehicles, 400 total vehicles. As you might guess, most of their used vehicles are Buicks and GMCs. However, it was a Jeep Wrangler that caught our attention and became the subject of this week's investigation. 2010 Jeep Wrangler listed online for $16,528 uh, had an unfixed but fixable Takata airbag recall. We sent Agent Thunder in to administer the Takata test. Here's a report, as if I were Agent Thunder. After confirming availability by phone, I headed down to Delray to see the 2010 Wrangler. I arrived at 11 a.m., parked, 
began to walk around the used car lot waiting to be noticed by a salesperson. After several minutes in the heat, I decided to head inside to try to find some help. Just as I approached the entrance, a young man stepped outside and greeted me. His name was Adrian, and he looked to be in his late 20s. Adrian asked me if anyone was helping me. I said no. He extended his hand and said he could help me. I told him about the Jeep, and he offered to take me to it. I followed him, and we found it next to three others that they had in stock. Adrian asked if I was a Jeep fan, uh, and I said I was. Apparently, Adrian was, too. And we went on at some length about how beautiful they were. I nodded along in enthusiastic agreement. It's always amazing to me how people are crazy about Jeeps and how they have such a lousy rating in consumer reports. I interrupted to let him know I would like to take a test drive. Adrian paused, said he'd need to get copies of the driver's license and my insurance card. So we walked back inside where I signed a test drive for him and handed him my driver's license and insurance, uh, car insurance card. Do all the dealers ask for the insurance card? Not all of them. Yeah. And I don't even think that's necessary. You, you need an insurance card when, when, the, when the customer is going to drive the vehicle without a salesperson. Yeah. I was asked to sit on a couch. Oh, interesting couch. Uh, while I waited, uh, he ran off again. Uh, it was I, I was then approached by Orlando, the used car manager. Orlando said that Adrian was very new, and he'd be taking me uh, take over once we finished our test drive. Uh, not uncommon to find new salespeople, high turnover turnover in new car salespeople uh, in a, a most dealerships. Adrian returned, took me outside to his Jeep, sidling smoothly by the entrance. I forgot, I missed the part where the, where the uh, car wouldn't start and had a dead battery. Took care of that. That's also common in used car departments. Test drive consists of nothing but small talk. We returned to the dealership in a short time, walked inside, and I was directed to the couch again. Adrian <laughs> said he was going to <laughs> just humorous the sofa couch. Yeah. You don't usually see those in car dealerships. I don't think. No. Adrian, oh, we got oh, some. Yeah, we, 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 we have some. You Just call it a couch. Yeah. yeah. Adrian said he was going to get Orlando. Uh, waited for 15 minutes before Adrian returned to tell me his manager was ready, and he led me to his office. Uh, a little unusual there to, to go to the manager's office. Yeah. Yeah. Couch. Well, Adrian was in training, so. Yeah. Orlando asked how I liked the car. I told him I did and that I'd looked at a few other Jeeps already today. I wanted to make sure I was buying something sound, safe and sound. I asked them if they could provide a Carfax report. Orlando said, of course. We see that some dealers provide the report right up front, uh, advertise it online. Others wait until you ask for it. But in almost all cases, a Carfax or similar uh, report is available. The first thing I noticed in the Carfax summary on page one, and I had two copies. I like that's a nice touch. I had a copy, and uh, Orlando had a copy. Um, I noticed uh, on page one of the words at least one open recall. Orlando chose to emphasize the thorough maintenance records. I let him go on about how well the Jeep was maintained as he pointed out every service record on the Carfax report. This gave him time to get around to addressing the recall, but he didn't. Finally, I asked about the recall, which prompted Orlando to begin studying the report more closely. He found two recalls. One was for an airbag clock spring. Haven't heard of that one before. 
Uh, and the one was the Takata airbag. Uh, double recall on the airbags. He confessed he didn't know much about them. I told him I thought it was one that could take uh, could make the airbag explode. Rick, did you have a point? The clock spring is actually the, the part in your steering wheel that lets you turn the wheel back and forth, and uh. it connects between the, the steering column and the airbag that's mounted on the steering wheel itself. Uh. So a defective, what would that do? It could very easily not... Uh, it would most likely disconnect that airbag to oh. where that driver's side airbag uh-huh. would not inflate in an accident. In that sure. case, it's a good thing. Yeah, you, you uh, want, except you want if you're in a crash. You, <laughs> well, you don't want that Takata one going off. Uh, true, true. Yep. At any rate, um, he confessed he didn't know about those, and I told him I thought it was the one uh, Takata was the one that could make the airbag explode. Orlando offered to call the service department to advise on what the recall was all about. I stopped him and said I was just, uh, I said I was sure it was a Takata thing. I asked if it could get fixed. He said the Jeep dealer would have to do the repairs and that I wouldn't have to pay for it. Uh, this makes me even more frustrated about this whole Takata issue. Nonchalance. Nonchalance and the fact that it should be fixed by the uh, dealer that is selling you the vehicle. And we all know why it's not. It's a time factor. And uh, they like to get the cars that they trade in or buy on the lot, cleaned up and sold. Time is money. Time is money. And if you send it out, um, you're put on the back burner. Uh, If you're a Buick dealer and you send your car to a Jeep dealer, the Jeep dealer is going to prioritize his customers. And the car could sit there for a week or a couple of weeks, and you don't want to do that. So you take the quick way. You just don't have it fixed. And you hope the customer doesn't find about find out about it. And if you don't find out about it, but you, the customer may never get it fixed. Hence, uh, the terrible situation we find ourselves in. Now, another thing that occurred to me this for the first time is that you could say to the customer, uh, or I could say as a customer, I want to have this fixed before I get it, I buy it. And if I'm in a hurry, I'll take it myself. But you don't want your your customer taking your car to a competitor, albeit a Jeep dealer. And so there's a lot of reasons why car dealers don't want to have their recalls fixed before they sell them. And none of them are good. They're selfish reasons, and it's bad for the consumer. Uh, he moved on to the sale figures, which were appointed on the purchase agreement. Sale price was the same as the online price. That's good. 16528 They added $898 dealer fees and $749.95 in government fees, uh, which seems suspect. Uh, that's pretty high. I asked Orlando why the government fees were so high. He asked me if I was getting a new tag. I said yes. He said, well, there's 540 right there. Yeah. And that's that's too high. Yeah, he's he's got to be lumping in uh, like <clears throat> electronic filing fees and things like that. I believe that's the case. Also, I looked at the worksheet, and I didn't see anything about sales tax. Uh, look at this again. Let me. Uh, you have a copy of it, too? Yeah, 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 yeah. Total taxes. He's got it in there. Eleven fifty three. Eleven. It's in there. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, so uh, positively seven forty nine five in government fees has some non government fees, and uh, that's. That's just not telling the truth, yeah. because an online filing fee, electronic filing fee, 
or uh, not government uh, fees. Not dock fees. Those are not government fees. You have to pay sales tax on these. And I'm wondering if the sales tax was calculated on these. Uh, we could check, but yeah. we didn't. But we can. I asked Orlando why the government fees. Oh, my, I did that. Then, then he said there were other processing fees. He said the dealer fee takes care of the paperwork and getting your car ready. Some of it was profit. He admitted that. He admitted, yeah. I thanked him for the explanation. Moved on to my exit word track. I said I was meeting family for a quick lunch. I would return to take it. Orlando tried to get me to leave a deposit, but I told him he was only going to get a handshake. Smart. Uh, there we are. Uh, we believe it was a technical failure on the Dakota test. It was not a moral, ethical failure. We hope. We don't think so. So here we are with another. Uh, we have to grade this older dealer that ever was from 1907. Do we recommend him as a Buick GMC dealer? And uh, he technically failed the Takata test. The other test that he failed was, and we don't have proof on this, but we think that his government fees were not government fees. Um, how many test uh, scores do we have? Any? We'll go around the table. I'm still getting some coming in on uh, okay. online. Rick, what do you do? What do you say? Uh, I, I say the you know anybody walking in there's got to keep their their wits about them. I'm going to give them a C because I I think that government fees line was kind of a a, a, a shady deal. Yeah. And you know like we've discussed about the airbags, but I'll, I'll give them a C, a passing grade. Yeah. Orlando, by the way, is a manager, and uh, he knows what government fees are and what aren't. So nah. I could pass. You know, Adrian, the salesperson, he was new, and he he may have been totally innocent. I, I could feel the snake oil coming out there. Yeah, uh, Nancy, what's uh, what kind of a score do you want to give him? Uh, I'd like to give uh, Delray Buick a uh, a D. Uh, I just, uh, I, I didn't feel good about the mystery shopping report. There were a lot of things in it that uh, were unacceptable. Yeah, there was no bait and switch. Uh, the online price was the price they offered to sell it for, plus dealer fees. The question being, do they reveal or disclose all the dealer fees? Stu, what do you think? Well, let me report on the uh, grades we have coming in online. We have Ed gives them a D. Lana gives them a C minus. Roberto gives them a D plus. Dina or Deanna gives them an F. Uh, May gives them a C. And then Linda, Linda V, gives them a big fat F. F yeah. um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the um, low C. I'll do, I'll do a C minus. Yeah, I like that. I like the C minus. Uh, I just feel I have mixed emotions because we're talking about one of the oldest car dealers in the United States. And uh, we don't know about him. And he had high ratings except for uh, Yelp, which is not a integral rater, had good Google ratings and uh, dealer track. So um, I'll go along with the C minus, and we'll put him on the recommended list. I think he's as good as uh, the Schumacher score we had. Yeah, yeah. Schumacher is the other Buick dealer in this area, uh, and he's a GMC uh, dealer also. So we'll we'll go ahead with that. And we've got Ernesto uh, coming in with a C minus, and Wayne coming in with a C on YouTube. Oh, okay. So we have another dealer on our recommended list, Buick yeah. GMC dealer, and uh, we now have uh, two in this this market area, uh, Schumacher 
who was recommended, and also uh, I, I just Del Rey, yeah, Del Rey Buick GMC. You know, it's funny. If I were that dealer, the oldest, I would play up my longevity, and I would say yeah, that would get my attention. Maybe yeah. that's just because I'm a dealer. But to call yourself Del Rey Buick and not uh, was it Garshner? A Garber, yeah. Garber. I say I'm Garber Buick, and I started in 1907. Yeah, exactly. I mean it's kind of. I well, drive around town in a Model A. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it Ralph Buick down <laughs> in Delray for many years? <laughs> he was. Yeah, Ralph I remember was. my parents bought from Ralph Buick many years ago. Yeah, they were an honest uh, dealership, as I recall. I'd show yeah. my World War One draft card. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we got we've got about five minutes before we uh, check out. I have one other thing I want to talk about, which was uh, we talk about dealer fees, hidden fees, over and over again. Uh, probably the biggest culprit that a lot of you know, and sometimes I know I'm preaching to the choir here at Earl and Cars, but to you newbies, uh, the dealer installed accessories are every bit as damaging to your ability to get a fair price as the hidden fees. And the dealer installed accessories have a smack of legitimacy because there is a product involved, whereas with the hidden fee, it's just strictly uh, BS. It's just there's nothing to value there, but you could you could argue that the stripes and the window tint and the uh, window edge and even the nitrogen in the tires I'm not sure what the value there is uh, road hazard and a lot of other things. My problem with dealer installed accessories is you don't have the right to buy them. You they pre-install them on the car, and that's a sin. A true car. Uh, will not allow you to in, to add dealer installed accessories, and I believe Costco has a mixed uh, reputation on that, don't they? Sometimes they say uh, they you can add them at half the price or or the yeah. cost or uh, something like yeah, that. Yeah, on, on all the uh, members-only pricing sheets I've seen, it says you can have them at the dealer's cost. But dealer installed accessories and hidden fees are a no-no. Uh, Nancy's uh, form called the Althador Price Affidavit is the answer. And if you have a copy of that, you can hold it up for the camera there. Uh, you get a copy of this, you can download it at, on Earl on Cars and uh, have them sign this. Yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it saves you from uh, 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 all these hidden fees that are totally ri ridiculous. You stay on top of things, uh, you, you can get out the door without getting taken advantage of and you can download a form that I have at uh, Earl on Cars and uh, or is it? If you can, if you can if honest you price, no dealer installed accessories and no hidden fees. If they won't sign that, then you just turn around and walk out yeah. and buy from a dealer who will sign it. You can get your manager to sign that. Uh, you know, it's it's really important. Your sales uh, person, uh, you can fax it over to them, have it uh, signed uh, whenever you walk into the dealership. You know, it's uh, it's etched in glass. The out-the-door price. Rick, you've Boom. Got do we have time for one more question? We, we sure do. Uh, Jay from YouTube is asking, do you still think JM Lexus is the best place to lease a new Lexus? I went there with their one-price method and found less incentive on the part of the salesman when getting pricing. They had more of a take-it-or-leave-it attitude. Well, that's a bad attitude, but the nice thing about getting your price is you can shop and compare it. And even with a one-price, low-price dealer, uh, 
uh, like GM Lexus, you should shop and compare. And competition is your friend, folks. I'm telling you, car dealers are insanely competitive, including this one right here. And nothing will get a car dealer's attention like a price from another dealership that, the, that he is offered the opportunity to beat. So take that JM Lexus price and go to Palm Beach Lexus, go to uh, Auto Nation, I guess it's Delray Lexus. Who else is a Lexus dealer in this area? You got Palm Beach Lexus out in Okeechobee, then you got JM Lexus down in, uh, is it Deerfield or? And there's got to be a Lexus yep. dealer. Oh, yeah. and there's a Zen Lexus. Uh, yeah, Holly, Lexus of Hollywood. Lexus of Hollywood. There's, all, there's four or five Fort Pierce Lexus. Uh, Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne. Get get to three or four prices, but start with the JM Lexus. And I believe their price is a, a low one, but I'm not saying you can't beat it. Yeah. And Jay goes on to comment also. He says he went to Mercedes and they refused to remove a cargo mat for 150 and window tent for 199 like those dealer accessories. Go to another Mercedes dealer. Competition is your friend. Okay, Ladies I think we're gentlemen. out of time. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you for tuning in, and I hope you tune in again next Saturday, same time. Have yourself a wonderful weekend uh, from all of us at Her Earl Stewart on Cars. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us and for all the help that we've had this morning. Uh, it definitely takes a team effort. Have a wonderful weekend.